How many of you have ever heard of Jeff and Sherry Easter? Uh, I believe it was Jeff's father, Mr. Easter, that just passed away. There's a song he wrote that went all over the world. And if you know this little song, sing it with me real quick. While the world looks upon me as I struggle alone, they say I have nothing, but they are so wrong. In my heart I'm rejoicing, how I wish they could see. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. Now there's a roof up above me. I've a good place to sleep. There's food on my table and shoes on my feet. Hallelujah. You gave me your love, Lord, and a fine family. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. Here's the second verse. Now I know I'm not wealthy, and these clothes, they're not new. And I don't have much money, oh, but Lord, I have you. And to me, that's all that matters, though the world may not see. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. There's a roof up above me. I've a good place to sleep. There's food on my table and shoes on my feet. You gave me your love, Lord, and a fine family. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. Father, we lift up our hands to you, our voices to you. We worship you and adore you, not just for what you have given us, but for who you are. Lord, that you are enough. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And we come hungry today to be fed from your mouth the very words of life that can transform us to be more like your son Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen and amen. All right, read with me. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, let's see here, excuse me, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. I want you to notice that God told uh, Joshua, Now therefore arise, go. Now skip to verse number 9. Verse number 9, he said, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good 
courage. So there's this repeating forceful command coming from the voice of God to his servant Joshua, rise and go, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. It's as if he's rebuking any insecurities or hesitations or doubts or fears in young Joshua's mind and heart to, in, uh, to instill in him the courage from, and the strength from God Almighty's word to go forth and to do the assignment that God gave him. So today, I believe God's put it on my heart to preach to you this subject you have your orders. Amen. You have your orders. Thank you, and you can be seated in God's presence. We are on a mission. We are on a mission to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. But we're on a mission to reach you first. We're on a mission for the gospel to become real at your house. And we are on a mission to inspire you, that is to make disciples of men, that we might say something under the unction of the Holy Ghost that would light your fire and cause you to be more for God and do more for God than, you, than what you were before you heard the message. I came to invoke in you some stirring that whereby God might give you courage, strength, hope and vision for the future that you won't leave here the same as you come but that you'll leave motivated you'll leave changed you'll leave with a charge you'll leave with a mission that you know wasn't handed out to you by Gary Caudle but was transfused to your heart through the power of the Holy Ghost I want you to leave this place understanding that you sir that you, ma'am, are given divine orders whereby God expects you to fill them out. Whereby God expects you to complete your assignment and to get busy and to get busy quickly. We need not drag our feet because time is running out. We need not act like that we need to pray about it for eight months. Amen. Uh, Jesus told his disciples, uh, do you not say uh, that four, there's four months, then cometh harvest? But Jesus said, lift up your eyes on the field uh, and look upon the field, for the fields are white already to harvest. Jesus said, while y'all are saying harvest time is not here, he's saying actually harvest time is already upon you. And I don't know where we get the notion to drag our feet, to pray unnecessarily long seasons of prayer before we get busy doing what God has already instructed us to do. But there's some things that we don't need to pray about. We don't need to pray about sharing our faith with others. We don't need to pray about getting the gospel to as many as possible. Amen. Paul the Apostle said uh, that he became all things to all men, that by all, all means he might save some. Uh, we preached last week on leaving it all on the field. Amen. Another way to put it is to pull out all stops. Whatever causes you to hesitate. Whatever causes you to be reserved. Whatever causes you to be quiet and, and, and still. Uh, and, and causes you to back away from an assignment that God has given you. That is what God wants to speak to you. And He wants to speak to you directly and clearly that you have your orders from God Almighty. 
I need you to understand that when you read this Bible, after having read this Bible, if you don't come away from the reading of the Word with an assignment, you miss the whole point. For the Word of God was given to us that it might be fleshed out in our lives. We want to see God take this Word and make it relevant to our lives, to make it applicable to us, that we might put it into shoe leather, that we might put it to practice, that it might not just uh, change the way we think, but it also changes the way we act and behave. It changes our desires. It changes our motives. It changes the trajectory of our future, and it changes future generations because uh, we have allowed the Word of God to penetrate our broken hearts and heal it and prepare it for service to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So you need to know that when you come to church and you hear preaching, if you don't get an order from God, you probably haven't heard any preaching. If you don't get an assignment from your Heavenly Father, you probably haven't heard the kind of preaching or at least you haven't been listening to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the churches. Notice in verse 1 of our text, it said, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, Thou and all this people under the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. I want you to notice verse 2 again, the first part. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise. Point number one. The funeral is over. The funeral is over. God told Joshua, said, y'all might as well dry up your tears. It's time to move on. Now, there's some spiritual application that we can use in this sermon today. Many people have hesitated to move forward for God because of some past pain that's causing them to be tripped up and causing them not to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But even as God told Joshua that Moses is dead and the funeral is over and it's time to move on, God would speak to you and I about our past pains that it's time to bury that, have the funeral, get past it, and move on for the glory of God. How long are you going to cry over spilt milk? How long are you going to worry over that that you have no control over, that which you cannot change, amen? You might as well just get past the funeral, wipe your tears, and get up, dust the seat of your pants off, and get on for the glory of God. Somebody say amen this morning. The funeral is over. I believe the Holy Ghost will say to someone this morning, your funeral is over. It's not that God doesn't care. But God's heard our whining long enough. We have, we have bitterly complained before His presence. We have belly ached and we have whined. And we repeat our offenses in our imaginations over and over again. And God wants to know how long does He have to tarry with us coming to Him over and over with the same wounds, with the same story, with the same pain when God is ready to enable you to get past the pain 
pain and move on, but yet you keep rehearsing it in your mind. You keep rehearsing it in your heart, and it's holding you back, and you can't look to the future because you're hung up on the past, and the Holy Ghost is saying it's time to put that casket in the dirt and move on for the glory of God. Amen. There ain't nobody worth not serving God for. I don't care how bad it was. I don't care how much they hurt you. I don't care what they said about you. I don't care what they did to you. You're not serving them. You're serving God. So get over them and fall back fresh in love with Jesus and move on for the glory of God this morning. Amen. You have your orders. God expects us to, as, as good soldiers, to, uh, to endure hardness uh, as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Uh, you're going to have some funerals. Uh, there are going to be some times you're going to have to pause and reflect uh, and learn from what happened uh, and learn from what died and learn and grieve your loss. But at some point, the grief must be ended and you need to learn how to walk and enter into the joy of the Lord because it's the joy of the Lord that will be your strength there is no pain there is no loss that is stronger than the love of God that is more powerful than the joy of the Lord and some of you have lost your song some of you have lost your shout you've been having a pity party for 15 years over something somebody did or said to you and God said today the funeral over. It's time to move on for God. Amen, church. It's time to move on. You have your orders. Uh, what are you waiting on? Uh, I've heard this same story. It's not that God doesn't care. We have not a high priest. We've done quoted it. That's not touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Uh, but God don't want to sit and sulk in your sorrow with you. He wants to heal you and get you to moving on. Amen. Now, I don't know who this is for, but somebody needs to get back in the saddle. Somebody needs to, amen, quit using your excuses, all the reasons why you won't get plugged in, all the reasons why you don't like that church member, all the reasons why, uh, I don't know if I really want to get too committed, I might get hurt again. Uh, the devil is a liar. Amen, guess what? You're going to get hurt again, but do it anyway because we're serving Jesus, and Jesus said you're going to get hurt. That's not an excuse. Uh, if Jesus used that logic, he would have never went to the cross. Uh, he looked to the cross uh, from before the foundation of the world and say oh that's a great price uh, but I'm willing to pay it anyway uh, who amongst us will look at the cross and count the cost and yet still take up your cross anyway and follow God anyway uh, you might as well brace yourself for some pain and disappointment and discouragement and hurt uh, but you also need to brace yourself for the ability to cry your tears uh, until your uh, funeral is over and then get up and keep going for God amen I want to encourage somebody this morning uh, that you need the service of God and you need to quit giving him your excuses this morning he is saying to you you have your orders amen you need to learn a few things about this first you need to learn to help the wounded and leave the dead amen help the wounded and leave the dead like a, and this is a quote from my dear friend Pastor Scott Boatner back in Mississippi amen help the wounded leave the dead amen there's some people back in the wilderness that don't want to cross over into the promised land of God's best and us for their future they'd rather hang out with people amen uh, uh, that, that are dead amen they would rather die in the wilderness with their own wills and ambitions than to uh, look upon the horizon of God's best and brightest for their future amen I'm still convinced to this day that most Christians haven't even scratched the surface of what all God really wants to do in their lives 
We need to be willing to move on. We need to be willing to leave the dead. Amen. Uh, help those that are hurting, but don't let the dead hold you back. Amen. Uh, let me say this. Nothing in your past is worth forfeiting your future over. And let me say once again emphatically, quit crying and moving on for God. And move on for God. Amen, church. Now look at verse number 3. He went on and told him, he said, every place. Somebody repeat that with me. One, two, three. Every place that the soul of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you. In other words, if you can step on it, you can have it. Amen. Uh, as I said unto Moses uh, from the wilderness, and he begins to define it, of this Lebanon, even to the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land uh, of the Hittites under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Uh, number two, uh, the future is ordered. So we see that the funeral is over, but number two, uh, we see that the future is ordered. It's ordered. He said uh, that you have a promise. Amen. Y'all pray for my voice. You have a promise. You need to know your Bible. These are the times that require us to get well acquainted with the promises and the pages of God's Word. When you get down in the dumps and you're feeling sorry for yourself, you need not look any further than the Scripture for hope and inspiration. Amen. If you'll read this thing long enough seeking the Lord, you will find Him when you seek Him with all of your heart. And He will begin to speak His written Word and translate it into real life scenarios in your life that give you hope and give you a future. Amen. And so what you need to do is you need to subscribe to God's vision for your future by getting your nose in this book. Don't just come to church Sunday morning and be satisfied with the hearing of God's preaching. Take this Bible with you. Go home with it. Read it every day. Ask the good Holy Ghost to speak to your heart as you're reading it. And you ought to see if it doesn't start popping out like a 3D pop-up book. It'll come to life. And it'll start ministering you to, in you, uh, to you in ways that not even the preaching can minister to you in. It'll start ministering to you in ways that not even personal counseling can do for you. It'll start ministering to you on deep levels in such ways that no song can ever solace your soul by. Read the Word of God and find out that He has promises for you. Amen. You need to cry your last tear over your past pain. Move on from your funeral and realize that God has a future ordered for you. And it's different than your present circumstance and it's certainly different than your past. You not only have a promise, but you have a place. You need to know your bounty. That is, you need to know your place in the kingdom that God has in mind just for you as he described to Joshua the place that he prepared for him God will describe for you what your assignment is if you will read his word if you'll seek him I'm not always one uh, to just give somebody something to do I would rather the Holy Ghost speak to your heart and convince you of the ministry that he has put you here for because if I give you an assignment, you'll drop it like a hot potato. But if the Holy Ghost gives it to you, you can't get away from it. That's why I preach like this. I'm not going to give you a list 
of things to do that will make me happy as a pastor. I might ask your assistance from time to time on certain things. But you need to seek God for yourself. And ask him, Lord, where can I fit in? What can I do for the cause of Christ? Where can the church most use my abilities, my talents, my treasure, my time? Find out what your, where your place is at. Amen. God wants an active church. God wants a church that's here to serve and not one that's just here to soak it up. Amen. I know we like good preaching, we like good singing, and hoorah for all that, glory to God. But if you don't leave different than you come, it's all in vain. Amen. If it don't change your life, your perspective, your vision, your hope for a good, a better future, an effective ministry, and, and being a light for Jesus in your sphere of influence, then we meet in vain. Amen. We want you to know that God has something in mind, and he has a place for you in the kingdom. You can seek God and figure it out, and God will show you where you can best serve in his kingdom. Not only uh, will you find your promise in the word, not only will you find a place, but you'll find the parameters. I like to say this know your boundaries I, I want to say it this way most people never discover the extremities of their boundaries most people settle way too soon and way too quick they're like the two and a half tribes of Israel that said you know what we've we're tired y'all go on into the promised land we'll, this looks good enough to us just just y'all just go on and some people they don't they don't experience the fullness that God has for them they don't tap into the full experience of God's will and purposes and word for their life. And so they, they live unsatisfied because God put something in each of us as his crea cre creation uh, that we hunger and thirst after righteousness, that we are not satisfied until we have fulfilled the assignment that God allowed us to be born to accomplish. And if you're not there, you'll never be satisfied. You'll always be searching. But how come Christians can seem uh, uh, to deceive themselves into thinking that they're satisfied with less than what God had in mind for them? I think we use excuses as a medicine to quieten the pain of inner frustration. Truth be known, most of us are frustrated because we know we're not living up to our potential. We know we're not doing what God has called us to do. And it bothers us. And might I say it ought to. Amen, it ought to bother us. But instead of numbing the pain by more excuses, let's just come open-faced before God and, and, and be honest with God where we're at and say, God, I know I'm not where I need to be, but show me the pathway to get there. And God will begin that work of sanctification in your life. And he will begin to point out things that stand between you and him that are hindering your prayer life, that are hindering your witness, that are hindering your effectiveness. And uh, step by step and little by little, the Holy Spirit of God uh, will chip off anything in your life that doesn't look like Jesus. Uh, and you will grow more and more mature as the days go by if you will be consistent in seeking the Lord and say, search me, O God, and no my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me and deliver me amen uh, that's the kind of praying we need to do uh, and we need to let the holy ghost turn the spotlight on in our hearts and lives uh, and show us where we fall short of his purpose in our life 
God has a place for you. God has promises for you. And God has boundaries that reach far beyond the extremities that you've drawn for yourself. Let's just face it. Most, well, without exception, every man of God in the Bible besides Jesus himself, when God told them their assignment, they thought, you got the wrong guy. There is no way. Moses had his excuses. Amen. Gideon had his excuses. Peter had his excuses. Paul, no doubt, had his excuses. Every one of them had too many blunders to, uh, to mention, too many flaws, too many issues that they thought would keep them from doing what it was that God said he wanted them to do. But yet we forget that he, the same God that calls you and sends you is the same God that will enable you to accomplish his will. And so you need to quit worrying about all of those limitations that you think exist. And if God said do it, God will bust through those limitations and will blow your mind as, as, as to, and when you discover just how effective you can be for God if you will yield yourself to Him. You have your orders. Your future is ordered. Start waking up to the realization that there is more to your Christian experience than what you've experienced to date look at verse 5 he goes on and says there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses so I will be with thee I will not fail thee nor forsake thee be strong and of a good courage for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. So number one, we said the funeral is over. Number two, we said the future is ordered. And lastly, I want to say the fight is on. Amen. The fight is on. He said, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Simply put, God has you covered from start to finish. He that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. God is never going to give up on you. You may give up on yourself, but God does not take counsel from you on when he gives up on you. He takes counsel from no man. He does whatsoever he wills, and when he starts something, he finishes what he starts, including his purpose in your life. His calling, his gifts are without repentance. That means that God is not going to change his mind. And some of you know right where you're supposed to be, and you've been running from it your whole life, and God's saying, uh, it's time that you get back home. It's time that you get back in the saddle. It's time that you fight for the King of kings and Lord of lords because you have God's power, you got, have God's presence, and you have God's provision. What more do you need? You have your orders. Anybody that's in the military knows that when you get your orders, your assignment is to complete your orders. You receive it with a yes, sir, and a, and a, and a, a will of steel. No excuses. Am I right, gentlemen? 
Am I right, ladies? Those of you that are in the military or have served, you get your orders, you ask no questions, you simply do. Amen. Because the one that commanded you also knows the logistics involved in what he's asking you to do. And God will not put on you anything that he will not enable you through his power to accomplish. He said, only be thou strong and very courageous. Verse 7. He said in verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. In other words, stick to the plan. Stick to the book. Stick to what I've told you. Amen. And a lot of times in the midst of your battle, the devil will try to confuse you. The enemy will try to send mixed signals and cause you to doubt the orders that you receive from headquarters. Amen. And he will try to lie to you. And in the darkness, you'll forget what he spoke to you in the light. But you need to always just go back to what God said. Because what God said never changes. He is so perfect that he can say it the first time and never have to revise what that was that he said. Think about if we serve to God that was as crazy as we are how many of you retract things that you say all the time and revise them say well I didn't really mean it that way I meant it this way God needs only speak once and he gets it right every single time and he, ha- he doesn't have to do any retractions what he said is what he is saying what he is saying he always will say because he's that perfect he's that powerful He's that all-knowing. You need to understand just how perfect he is. He's flawless. Amen. He is altogether the lovely one of the Son of God and God the Son. Amen. And he has the power to speak a word in your life that stands after all the sifting, after all the doubting, after all the satanic sabotages, after all the, 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 the... the battle that you had to go through to to complete your mission, at the end of the day, the Word of God is still going to be standing and whatever else come up against is going to be crumbling at its feet. So you just go back to what God said. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. It didn't even say it shall not depart out of your mind. It didn't say it shall not depart out of your spirit. It didn't say it shall not depart out of your imagination. It said it shall not depart out of your mouth. God wants you to speak his word because there's something about articulating God's promise verbally because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word and if you don't have a preacher around to invoke faith in you you can begin to speak the word of God and you're speaking life into your own soul amen and you're hearing the word there's something powerful about repeating what God said over and over again in your life to keep your mind on track to keep your spirit on track because how many of you know your mind will wander your spirit amen will sway and your emotions will be topsy-turvy and up and down this way and that uh, but if you'll keep repeating what God said over and over the word of God will correct your mind correct your spirit correct your soul and correct your vision don't let the word depart out of your mouth I encourage you when you're facing a battle of temptation to speak openly verbally the word of God like Jesus did when he rebuked Satan in the wilderness amen (coughs) excuse me Speak the word. Declare the word over your life. Amen. Learn how to take authority over the enemy. Amen. All we're doing is correcting the incorrect record on earth. 
with the correct record in heaven. When earth is saying something contradictory to heaven, what you got to do to correct the record is verbalize it. And set the record straight. And let everybody, including yourself, know. And your doubting and wavering mind. And your wandering spirit. And your emotional uh, uh, unhealthy self know that what God said still is. Regardless of all of the changes come, going on around us and in us. Don't ever believe your emotions. Especially when you're in a dark season in your life. Your emotions will convince you that some people are convinced that they need to take their own life. Some people are convinced that they need to take medication. Some people are convinced of this. Some people are convinced of that. Some people are convinced that they just need to give up on their marriage and just let it go. Some people get convinced of all kinds of things because they're allowing the topsy-turvy turf of their emotional man steer their life with uh, wavering decisions. What they need to do is go back to the book because it still says the same thing it always said and God was right the first time. And live by that book and you correct your heart. You correct your mind. You correct your spirit. You correct your emotions with God's word. And you stand on it when you can't feel it. You stand on it when you can't understand it. You, can, you stand on it when it doesn't make sense to you. You stand on it when you don't, you're not in a spiritual high. Amen. You stand on it when you're in the depths of hell. But you stand on God's word and don't let it depart from you. Amen. Verse 9, it said, Have not I commanded thee that God would say that to us? Have not I commanded you? He's saying, Hey, what did I already say? <laughs> Have you ever asked God for something? He tells you, and you're happy, and then two days later, you're questioning whether or not you even heard from God. And you go back to him, and he don't say, he don't say nothing that time. You know why he don't say nothing that time? Because he already said it. Why should God stutter when he's so perfect he don't have to say it but once? He's patient with us. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes he repeats it just because we're just that. I'm just that stupid sometimes. I'll speak for myself. Amen. We're just that ignorant sometimes. But God ain't going to change his mind. Stand on his word. Trust him. You have your orders you have your assignment. You have God's word on it. What more can you ask for? If you wait for favorable circumstances, it'll never happen. If you wait on an emotional experience, it may never happen. If you wait for clearness of mind, it will never happen. Amen. If you wait for uh, some sign in the sky, it's likely never to happen. What God is wanting, hey, he said, uh, a, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but there shall no sign be given them but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as he, uh, he was in the belly of the well three days and three nights, so shall also the uh, Son of Man be in the belly of the earth three days and three nights, and he'll rise again. In other words, he said, the only sign you're going to be given is the living Word of God. Is that not who Jesus was on resurrection morn? The living word of God. The resurrected Savior. That's all you need. All you need is the word of God. Jesus Christ. He said it and that settles it. There was a bumper sticker that said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. They got it kind of mixed up. It's that, God said it, that settles it whether I believe it or not. Amen. I don't need to believe it for it to be settled. It's settled in heaven. Rest assured that God's word stands when all else fails. Trust him today. Can I get an amen? Yeah. 
some things that you need to remember as you're going. And I'm going to close with these points. Number one, get your spiritual wounds dressed and healed up and get back in the fight. Number two, hurry up and die to the flesh so that you can begin to live in resurrection power. Number three, determine what seed stage you're in and prepare to move forward in your journey with God. Number four, create and cultivate an atmosphere of life for you and those around you by speaking words of life and hope from the truths of the Word of God. In other words, quit your mully grubbing and start declaring God's Word over it. And then number five, I want you to know you have your orders. What else are you waiting on? What else are you waiting on? If you need those notes, we'll put them on the website for you to look over later. But I want you to understand something. God is saying to this church, God's saying to you as an individual, it's time to serve me. If you haven't been, get busy. If you have been, seek the Lord on how you can be more effective. Keep pressing in. Amen. Don't be looking for reasons to get out. Amen. Rumor has it that some uh, may feel like we're too busy now as a church. Some may feel like we're too active. We're asking too much. But God is asking us. How can we ever say that God's asking too much of us? How can we ever say that God is asking too much for us? When the Bible clearly states uh, that we're to be living sacrifices. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. I want to say this, God is not being unreasonable. How can we look to the cross and see that God gave it all and then say that he would ever ask us too much? I don't think he asks enough of us. I think grace is too easy on us sometimes. I mean, God's perfect, don't get what I'm saying. In my human understanding, that's how I would say that. It's probably not doctrinally right, but... But you get what I'm saying. I think sometimes, <laughs> amen, we ought to get the woodshed and the Holy Ghost is loving on us and say, boy, if, if I can't whoop you straight, maybe I can love you straight. Amen. You, th- you know what I'm saying? We act like God asks too much of us. We act like the church is demanding too much of us. All we're trying to do is rally the troops and inspire people to provoke one another into love and the good works for the glory of God. There's no big eyes. There's no little U's. Amen. Uh, I may be the pastor, but I'm a servant. God help me to serve. I don't want to be a lord over God's heritage, barking orders and strutting my stuff and sticking out my chest and saying, I am pastor, hear me roar. No. If God would help me, and I I do a pitiful job at it sometimes, I want to lead by example, and I want to have servanthood leadership. I don't want to just tell you what God wants us to do. I want to try to show you, and y'all pray that I'll be able to do that, because I don't always do a good job at it. But is that not what Jesus did? And is that not what he would ask of each and every one of us? When can we ever say, well, that wasn't for me. I hope that everybody here today leaves home, goes home thinking, man, that, that, poor, that segment, 
on what, what he said about this or that, that really hit home with me. I got some work to do. Amen. Because you have your orders. Now let's get up and do them. Everybody standing to your feet.